When I was growing up, oh, Randy will remember this because we grew up in the same town. There was an AM radio station, WBLY. Remember that? WBLY. And every morning during the time when kids would get ready for school, there was a program called Smiling Bob. Smiling Bob. Smiling Bob was the DJ. I, 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 I to this day, I don't even know what his last name was. I don't even know if his first name was Bob. Bob Bailey. Bob Bailey. Oh, Randy knows. Okay. Smiling Bob. And he had this program that was geared toward kids as they were getting ready for school. And um, they had the news and all that stuff. But it was mostly about reaching out to the kids. And he um, would celebrate birthdays. And so if your parents would contact the radio station on your birthday, he would celebrate your birthday and he would call out your name. To have your name called out on a radio station was a big deal. Not only that, but he would take phone calls. And if you told him a joke, then he would give you a nickname. And if you had a nickname from Smiling Bob, you were something. And if you had a joke that you could tell Smiling Bob that he had never heard and that he laughed, you were really something. It was such a simple thing, and looking back on it, it wasn't a big deal, but it was a big deal to kids. Because there's something in us that God has created that makes us feel valued and treasured and um, warms our hearts. If someone that we look up to or someone that, is, that we see as important or valued just mentions our name or talks with us, where does that come from? It comes from how God created us. What we experience in human relationships are a reflection of what God has created in our relationship with him. Amen. So since we value that in a, at a human level, how much more does it, does it tell us that God does that for us? We are talking this week in experiencing God about, we're starting into the fourth reality. So far we've looked at the reality number one was God is always at work around us. Number two is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with us that is real and personal. God pursues it. He's the initiator. He's the one that reaches into our lives. And that foundation of a love relationship is the foundation for our, our connection with God, our view of God, our relating to God. And that's why the enemy works so hard to cause us to view God in some other way. That God is distant. That God is, is out there somewhere. That God spun the world into existence and then left us on our own. He tries to convince us of anything but the reality that God pursues us for a love relationship that is real and personal. Number three is that God invites us to become involved with him in his work. Jesus took a lot of time throughout his ministry, and especially in his last moments with the disciples, as we looked at um, with Nicodemus, but also um, with the disciples, to emphasize that he was going to send his spirit to live within us so that we could be in step with him and partner with him. So it's a love relationship that results in us being involved in God's work, being partners with him all the way back to the Garden of Eden. 
And then number four is that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church, which is people, to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. So I want to start this week and look at the first part of that reality, that God speaks by his spirit. So what does it look like to be hearing, recognizing, and following God? Number one, God speaks, that is, he communicates with mankind. God speaks. (coughs) Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Long ago, at many times, and I especially want to emphasize many ways. Many ways. Does anybody need a Bible, by the way? We need one up here. We're going to look at quite a few scriptures in the Gospel of John. Anybody else? Long ago, at many times, and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so he he came and he spoke, and then he sent his Holy Spirit to continue to speak the spirit of Jesus. Our memory verse from John 8, 47 is, whoever is of God hears the words of God. In other words, they have a relationship whereby they are hearing the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God, which highlights the importance of our focus, our willingness to look to God, to listen and obey. Because relationships require listening and obeying. There's a whole lot in that verse that that we'll be digging into deeper later. Um, But this, this reality that God speaks... Um, but sometimes when, when, um, especially when people are not Christians or they're newer to the, the Christian faith, when someone says, God spoke to me, the assumption is that there was an audible voice that that person heard. But when we see the word God speaking, what, it, what it's really talked about is he communicates to us. In various studies over the last half century, they've identified that the majority of communication is nonverbal. Um, way back in, in 1971, they did the, the, one of the early studies, said that only 7% of communi- human communication is the words that you speak. That 93% of communication, the vast majority, is... Um, by facial expressions, body language, eye contact, voice intonation, or even just your appearance. The way that you wear your hair, the jewelry that you wear, the clothing that you wear. And we all know that that's true from growing up. So audience participation time. What were some of the ways that your parents communicated to you when you were growing up. That had nothing to do with the words that they spoke. Hey, hang on. I want you to think about it for a moment. Here's one. I get to go first. <laughs> when we were away from the house, 
and my dad wanted us to get home, he would whistle. He had a whistle that could be heard literally, and I'm not making this up, and I, sometimes I exaggerate, but this is not an exaggeration. You could hear it for blocks, because I heard it blocks away. And everybody knew, that's Herbie's dad. And Herbie better get home. He didn't, it wasn't words, it was a whistle. He communicated, it's time to come home, and if you don't come home very quickly, you're going to be in big trouble. What else? So audience participation time. What? The mom look. And everybody's mom has a little bit of a different version of that, but what does that communicate? <laughs> Spoken by the teenager, right? Yeah. Various meanings, different, different situations, yeah. Could be you're in trouble, or stop doing that, or, um, or, or yeah. So verbally, yeah. When they use your middle name, yeah. And your proper first name. It was not a nickname, it was the, the name on your birth certificate. You were in trouble. Street lights. Okay, so that was an unspoken message that had stuck in your head, okay. What else? What's that? Oh. <laughs> it wasn't a touch, it was a claw, right? Mm -hmm. What else? How about raised eyebrows? You can communicate with right. Or, or half open eye, um, or especially if you're if you're around other people that your parents especially don't want you to act up around, they'll just look at you and go. Maybe nobody else sees, but you know, death is on the doorstep. Um, we, or our other communication. Um, if somebody, if somebody goes, nods towards something, it means direct your attention there and, and I hope you know what I'm talking about. What? Turn around. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Turn mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways. So we know that. So when, when in, that's true in human communication, it's true in the way God communicates. God is not limited to an audible voice. He communicates with us, and, and in his incredible love for us, he meets us where we are. Amen. He communicates according to our personality, according to our relationship with him, in so many different ways. So in that scripture, long ago at many times, and in many ways, in the Old Testament, God spoke to people by their prophets. So audience participation. Can you think of ways, nonverbal ways, that God has spoken to people in the past. Visions. In visions. Yeah. So a, a lot of times in the Old Testament, God would give a prophet a vision and that would be a, a message for the people of uh, usually, well, not just Israel, but other countries too. The burning bush. The burning bush. I got Moses' attention. And then out of that came some communication, but that was alert. Stop. This is important. Come here. The wind, 
Yeah, he used the wind. What? In dreams? The cloud and the pillar. Yeah. So with the Israel, there was, there was God. It was communicate. When I move, follow. Yeah. Somebody else? Plagues, yeah. He spoke loudly to Pharaoh, didn't he? <laughs> Verbally through Moses, but also the plague. What did, what, what did you say? I said providing, and he said plagues. So providing plagues, yeah. Providing yeah. Plagues. yeah. So the manna was, was an act of kindness that communicated what? I will provide, right? What else? Mm hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Providing again. Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. It's a communication that God said to every time you see it. Remember the promise. Yeah. There were, and the flood. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so in many, many ways that, so when we say that God speaks, what we're talking about is God communicates, right? God communicates, but it is him, it is behind it, it's his spirit. By his spirit, he makes things clear. We knew, I knew when my dad whistled because I'd already understood. He'd already told me what that means. We can't know what God is communicating unless God is giving us an understanding of what, what it means. And so communication. Number two, God speaks for intimacy and alignment. And, and these are big categories, and I, I, there may be more, but these are the primary elements of the purpose of God communicating to us. Um, so the two categories are for, for intimacy, that is living in deep personal relationships. So God speaks um, to draw us, he communicates to draw us to yourself. The Bible tells us that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, and no one comes to the to God, except the Holy Spirit draws them. Um, nobody understands truth unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to them. So for intimacy, for relationship, but also for alignment, and that is cooperating with God in his work. And so it's for relationship, but it's also for what we do. Relationship, and then participating in his work. Now, I we'll come back to that but I want to look at a couple of sections of Scripture from John, the Gospel of John. And I want, as we read these, for you to look for those two elements of God communicating and how he does it. And then we'll talk more deeply about intimacy and alignment. So John chapter 10, John chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. So this is still a part of the section where Jesus is dealing with religious leaders. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he, does, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in in another way, the man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Jesus is talking about, and in, in, in a moment, he's going to say, I am the good shepherd. And so when he's referring to the sheep, he, he, he calls his sheep by name. What does that indicate? 
intimacy, personal relationship. He knows each of us. We're not just a crowd to him. And he calls them, and in relationship, the shepherd with the sheep had this relationship, so they recognized his voice. They didn't follow other shepherds because they had that relationship. They recognized his voice, and they would follow him. And then he would lead them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand, because he's talking to the religious leaders who don't get it. They're not in tune with the voice of God. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So he says, I'm the shepherd, I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I am. And so his intimacy is relationship. But he also leads them out for a purpose that we'll see. It's not just so that they can have relationship, it's so that they can function as sheep and benefit the shepherd. Flip over to John chapter 14. Now he's talking to his disciples. They have celebrated the Passover. He's washed their feet. He's given them the new commandment to love one another as he loves them. And and he's giving them some last words. And so before he was talking to the religious leaders, now he's talking to those who are closest to him. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. What is he communicating there? Intimacy, right? This is, this is his love. This is his... He's caring for them. He's their Lord and their master. He's washed their feet. He said, and, and I rightly am. But now I, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And so he's talking to them because he wants them to have this solid relationship with himself. Jump down to verse 18, <clears throat> John chapter 14. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You hear the love in his voice? I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you without my heavenly father being in your life. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the father and you in me and I in you. How? Because the Holy Spirit will come and and God will now for the first time in will in all of creation, will live within them. Not out there, but in here. And he says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by, does that sound familiar? It's one of our memory verses. Experiencing God. Be loved by my Father, have that special love relationship, and I will love him and manifest or reveal or show up. I will communicate with him in some way, shape, or form. Tugs, nudges, um, deep, soul deep. So he's, here again, he's talking about relationship. This is what it's going to be like. And then jump down to verse 25. <clears throat> 
These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus says, I've spent two and a half, three years teaching you and telling parable after parable over and over again and trying to to make it make sense. He says, "Um, but right now you, you can't get it all because the Holy Spirit doesn't live within you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you. He will bring, he will teach you, give you spirit. As you hear the words, it will be soul deep spiritual uh, teaching. But, and then he will remind you of the things that you've already heard. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he says, I am... I, I have this relationship with you. I'm, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to have this relationship with you. But now he begins to indicate that there's something more because there's a purpose for him bringing to mind and teaching all the things that Jesus wants to communicate. So jump down to verse 16. This is still right before he goes to the cross, talking to the 12 in John chapter 16, verse 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And what he's talking about is there that I'm leaving. How can you leave us, Jesus? We don't want you to leave us. You're our master. You're our best friend. You're the one who's protected us. We've been walking with you for these years and, and we thought you were going to stay forever. And now he's saying, no, I'm I'm leaving. Yeah, it was, yeah. Especially on my wife's phone. I don't even want to know. Because <laughs> when God can't get my attention, sometimes he uses other people. Where was I? So he says, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And because I'm leaving, you, your hearts are filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And here is one of the most powerful things he says in this whole um, communication with his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's best for you if I leave. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I don't go away, the helper won't come. Why? Because it's the very spirit of Jesus. And so he ascends back to the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. He comes at Pentecost. He fills the disciples. Notice the name that he uses for the Holy Spirit. The helper. The helper for what? There's a tendency for us to think, well, the helper so that I can, um, I can make it. You know, so that I can survive. So that I can have this... Uh, devotional walk with with God so that I can make it through my difficulties and and face the circumstances. And all of that is true. But there's another aspect to it 
that is, that is bigger, deeper, broader than that. And that is so that we will do the things that Jesus was doing to point people to God. He says, it is to your advantage because then the helper will want to come. But if I go, I will send him to you. The greatest, now, pause. The greatest thing he could have done for them is to send them to heaven, right? They'd be out of this world, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more temptation, no more difficulties, no more persecution that they're about to face. They would get out of all of this earthly realm stuff. The greatest, the, the, the greatest blessing that could have happened would, they, would have been that they died and went to heaven. That would have been the greatest advantage, but he didn't do that because he was leaving them to, be, to do, continue the work that he had started in pointing all of mankind to God, to serve God, to be on mission for him, to be involved in his work. So jump down to John 16, verse 12. <clears throat> he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I can't tell you now because you don't have the Holy Spirit and, and you, you just don't have the strength of character or conviction to, to even deal with it. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, understanding, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will point back to me. The Holy Spirit within always points back to Jesus. It's always his agenda. As we're learning in, in the experiencing God study, it's always God's agenda pointing God. Not about, not, it doesn't start with me. It starts with God. It's God's agenda. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And what he's talking about here is not just his presence, but his resources to live the life and to serve Jesus to let the world know about Jesus. To live to, so that our words, our actions, our attitudes, our conversations, our relationships, everything about us now represent Jesus as the salt and the light of the world. And so when God communicates to us, there's these two parallel tracks. So go back to those two words, intimacy, living in deep personal relationship. And just by the way, if, if you're going deeper in relationship with God, there will be the, the, um, the uh, result of that, the consequences of that will be a greater focus on him than on yourself. And on his purposes of living in the world to glorify him rather than to get what you want. Amen. So when I, and when I ask the kids, so when we pray, should we pray for lots of candy? And they all got this shocked look on their face like, Pastor Herb, you're a pagan. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, we don't pray for that kind of stuff. That brings joy to my heart because they get it. You know, it's not about praying for what we want. It's about praying God's will. And so this intimacy, it... it so I, yeah, 
It, 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 they're so intertwined. Intimacy and alignment are so intertwined so that the more we are in step with him, the greater intimacy that we have and the greater joy that we have and, and the way that he touches our hearts. And then the more that that happens, the more we want to do what he wants us to do so that we're focused on keeping our head in that yoke and, and paying attention to the tugs and heartbroken when we don't follow him. And that results in a deeper intimacy with him. And it just, it goes back and forth. It grows. But here's what I notice in my life and what I notice in American Christianity is we usually focus on the intimacy. Because when we go to God, we like to have him make our day better. And so the tendency is to have time with God and pray and and so that God will give us a, some truth that will give us a, a nice thought that will improve our day, that will make us feel better, that will make us just enjoy life better, that will, will take the burden off of our shoulders and, and just help us to experience what, what we think life should be like. And I, and, I, and I have to confess, God has been pushing on me for the last six months. And so you hear me talk a lot about mission because that's what we're talking about is walking, being in step with him so that he nudges us to make a difference in, in, in however way he wants us to make a difference day by day, moment by moment. Um, and, and I had an incredible summer, um, with God. And at the beginning of the summer, I was getting up early to take some supplements and then I had to wait and, and I would just spend that time with God. And it was just this wonderful time with God. And it was just like, uh, being in his presence and um, enjoying it. And, and I started listening to the Bible on, on my, my phone and, and just, uh, it's kind of, it just felt like I was being washed with the word of God and, 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 and experiencing it in new ways that, you know, when you hear it, it's different than when you read it. And I, I was just catching different things. And, it was, and for a couple of months, it, it was like that and it was really good. And then, and then something began to shift. And I, and I sensed God saying, okay, that was all very nice. Now I'm going to kick you off my lap and we're going to have, we're going to get down to some business. There's some things I need you to surrender. There's some things I need you to shift. There's some things that we need to talk about how I want to use you and, and what new song is going to be about. And, and now it's about alignment in accomplishing his purposes. We like the intimacy. Isn't it wonderful when you get together with somebody that you really love and you're having coffee and you're drinking, uh, you know, you're having dessert and maybe you're playing, you know, the things that you love. And then you got to go do the dishes yeah. or you got to go mow the yard, you know, or, or, you know, some of the kids got into trouble and you got, you know, and you just got to go do stuff or somebody burned down the, the, the shed. Now you got to build it. But here's what I'm discovering is it's wonderful to sit across the table, but if you stay there very long, pretty soon you start picking at each other. But if you enjoy that, keep that and have moments of that, but then you start going to do something, to accomplish something together, your relationship grows stronger because you're doing things together. We were made to do things together. And God left us. The greatest advantage would have been if Jesus said, okay, those, you, the 12 of you have followed me. I'm going to save you. I'm just going to send you to heaven. Okay. That way you can enjoy life. Nick's ready to go. 
That way you can just enjoy. No, but instead he said, no. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And I'm leaving you for it. But I will be with you. Because I've overcome the world. And so it's intimacy, but it's also alignment. Before Jesus left, he said, he gave him the great commandment. Remember what it was? Go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've given you. Go to all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I want you to go into all the world. Jesus left, sent the Holy Spirit. Peter had the, uh, God used him, this great sermon. Thousands of people came to Christ. And then uh, a couple chapters later, a couple more thousand came. And they sent up this wonderful tent community. This is my, in my mind, that's what it is. Thousands of people hanging out in Jerusalem. But Jesus had said to them, go into all the world. But we like it here in Jerusalem. We can gather every day and hear, we can hear Peter, Peter, Jesus, right-hand man. Hoping that he'll call out our name, right? Enjoy this together. So God goes, that's not my purpose. So in Acts chapter 8, we find Stephen going toe-to-toe with the religious leaders. And God allows him to be martyred. And then they scatter and go into all the world. Here's one of the takeaways from that. Don't wait till somebody tries to kill you (laughs) to do what God tells you to do. Because the point isn't sitting across the table drinking coffee with Jesus. The point is being on mission for him as we are aligned with him. So what do we do? Number three, we have to listen and watch then obey. And then experience God. And that's what we're going to be talking about. um, And you're going to be studying about as you go through the um, daily times with God. Is to listen and watch. Um, One of the statements that really catches my attention from last week or this week. Is when the Blackaby said, after you pray, watch to see what happens next. After you spend time with God, watch to see what he wants you to do next. Um. And we had a couple of people uh, in the learning community shared examples of that. So Nancy was nudged. She had a friend in Florida who, um, you know, the storm was coming in and she was nudged. I, sh- I should give her a call. I should give her a call. And, and she put it off for, for um, a while. And, and, but she just felt, and pretty soon that person calls her. And they talk and they pray. Because that's what God was up to. That's what we do. When I'm talking about mission, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Is God said, okay, you're hesitating, but I'm in charge of this. Your friend needs your encouragement and your friend needs your prayer. So I'm going to make sure that happens. Kevin um, told us about making, he, he, he went to the store to, make, to get the ingredients for peanut butter pie, which I'm still kind of miffed because I never saw any of that peanut butter pie. <laughs> But he, he said he went and he, and he was getting the ingredients for all the peanut butter pie and, and he got to the car and realized he forgot the Cool Whip. Now, for one thing, he remembered before he got home. 
And he thought, should I just forget it or should I? And he just felt strongly he was supposed to go back in. So he goes back in, he goes to the cool up aisle, which he had passed, right? He had passed the aisle before. And when he gets there, there's a guy, was she in a wheelchair? She's in a scooter. So there was a lady on a scooter who was trying to get something and she couldn't get. And um, so he walks up and, and does she, she approach you or you? So he asked, can I have some? He said, yeah, that would be nice. And then she said to him, I prayed and asked God to send somebody. I, I prayed and asked God to send a nice person. God always sends, God always sends a nice person to help me. And, and Kevin goes, well, I don't know if I'm a nice person or not, but I can tell you this is definitely God sending you because I was out in my car and I was thinking of, and but the nudges of God. So is that being on mission for God? Absolutely it is. It's not about setting up a big tent out there. It's about paying attention so that instead of being focused on ourselves about, oh, my life with God is so great and I'm enjoying this intimacy with God. It's going, it's, it's paying attention to what God is doing next. What is happening around us? Because Kevin could have gotten frustrated. Oh, I can't believe it. Start kicking yourself, shaming yourself. I can't believe it. Well, God probably made him forget the ingredients so that he would be where he needed to be to care about somebody else because it was, it was about what God wanted to accomplish, what God wanted to do. The rotary spaghetti dinner, same thing. It's not about spaghetti. It's about praying God open up doors for people to see you that we would have no connection with except in this venue. And then give us opportunities to have spiritual conversations and see what God might do. That's what it's about. John chapter 15, verses 8 to 11. By this is my Father glorified. By, the, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Not that you um, have this incredible intimate relationship with God and you're glorying in that, but that you're bearing fruit. The character and the conduct of God himself in action. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then in verse 11, so no, I want you to notice how the intimacy and alignment go together. Bearing much fruit is the alignment that, produce, that we're doing on what God wants us to do. And then verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. We experience the joy of God as we are aligned with him and intimate with him, which makes us align with him, which brings intimacy, which brings joy. God does not just speak to give us a nice devotional thought. He speaks because he's left us here to be on mission for him. Today is Worldwide Communion Sunday. It's a day to remember Jesus' death on the cross. Um, the scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians says um, that we celebrate this as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup. We procla proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's about remembering what he's done. It's about surrendering more deeply to him in relationship but it's also about proclaiming his death to, to, to those around us as well. 
on October, on the first Sunday in October, it's also a day to remember that it's about the kingdom. It's not about the congregation. It's not about me. It's about all the people who are following God around the world. And in this way, we proclaim um, to one another and to the world, God is bigger. God is bigger. And for the ones that are in, um, in Thailand and the ones that are in South America and those following Christ that are in China, um, in all of these different places, we celebrate Jesus' death. We call it communion because it's about fellowship with him that is intimacy and alignment. So take your elements. And pause for a moment and consider the bread that you hold represents the body of Christ that was broken and bruised and hung on the cross because he loves us and because he was willing to die so that we could be saved, that we could experience freedom from our sins, from fear, from death. And we honor him. We remember him. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The juice represents the blood that is shed for us. The blood that drained from Jesus' body. The blood that was shed for us. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant that's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we give you thanks and praise as we remember the cross, that horrible, terrible cross upon which you were laid, upon which you died. But that wonderful cross that you transformed to be a symbol of, a, of an everlasting, unfathomable love that the God of the universe has for his people, for all people. I pray that as we celebrate this, you would, your spirit would work in the lives of people around the world. People who are, are following you at the risk of their lives. People who have nothing but gather, who walk miles and miles just to be with, with a, a group of people worshiping you. I pray that you would work in, in those people. Lord, we, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them and that you would work close by in this affluent society where people don't, aren't naturally drawn to you because they have so much. That God, you would use us and you would work in us to draw people to yourself. So we give you praise and we give you ourselves. Um, now, and we ask you that you would guide us. Take what we've talked about today. 
lead us to deeper intimacy, stronger alignment, that you would flow through us to make a difference in this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.